This is Umami Conversations. Conversations to feed your soul. Thank you for leaving a review on Apple and Spotify and rating us. Enjoy this episode. Blessing. And I started realizing that a lot of the things that are condemned in the message that I was in are rooted in cultural practices that come from other places in the world, uh, such as uh, makeup, certain types of hairdressing, jewelry when it comes to men. Because in the church, the prophet even said that men who wear like bracelets or like gold chains Mm -hmm. have a feminine spirit on them. Even till 2018-19, there was still a little part of me that was set, especially since I was in the depth of depression. Yes. I was like, what if it's because I really messed up and I should go back? But then the same way you say you had this voice that was leading you to, then every time I would feel like my brain would tell me maybe you did wrong, my whole body would seize at the thought of being back under there. And I was like, no, I didn't mess up. Where I'm at now in my spirituality is that I have come to the very thing that the message was telling me I am, but without giving me the pathway so that I could be addicted to the church, is that I am a God. Yes, straight up. And they tell you this, you know, you're a little God. But they don't emphasize it. They don't feed it. No, because they don't give you the pathway to it. Because if they give you the true pathway to that realization, you're not me to come, come there every Sunday and give tithes and give offerings and pay the pastor's bills and pay the church's bills. You don't have to do that. Yes. You've made it, and this is part two of our conversation with Fofo. In this part, we talk about how white supremacy is found in Christianity. We dive in deep into the behaviors of certain churches, the behaviors of the church that they were in that got them questioning, and where they find themselves now in their spirituality, and, you know, some other stuff in between. Remember, this is a very sensitive topic, so make sure that you're ready to tune in for the rest of this episode. Until very soon, blessing. White supremacy, moi je peux dire comment j'ai, j'ai vu, I started, the, I started realizing and started taking in the fact that it was white supremacy in the disguise of religion. religion. Even before I took the class that would then reveal certain, like a lot of my suspicions, is I started analyzing when I left the church and, you know, then I still don't have my ears pierced. There's still things that I didn't get to, not because I don't want to, just it wasn't a priority. But I started thinking about these things and looking at a lot of uh, indigenous practices and where certain things originated. Mm -hmm. And I started realizing that a lot of the things that are condemned yeah. In the message that I was in are rooted in cultural practices that come from other places in the world. Yes. Yes. Uh, such as uh, makeup, certain types of hairdressing, yes. dressing, uh, j- jewelry when it comes to men. Because in the yes. church, the prophet even said that men who wear like bracelets or like gold chains mm-hmm. have a feminine spirit of, on them. And so it was seen as something unmanly to wear pink and to wear jewelry and when i think about it culturally it's actually the opposite for for us it is men they wear their jewels they wear the jewelry Jewelry. they wear this as an actually a proud aspect of their masculinity yeah to be able to like wear gold and and then like there are a lot of things that i started realizing that but i'm like okay this comes from the motherland so how wise is it that Everything that seems to come from, and that is just, you know, like outside. Yes. Not only that seem to come from culture or our cultural background or indigenous cultures, but that seems to come from the feminine energy. That seems to come from the feminine energy. That's very true. Very true. And even so, even more than. He also, the, the prophet of this church, uh, preached a lot against like certain types of music. He was he called homosexuals incarnate devils, uh, but he was against rock and roll to a degree that was like all types of music and calling it devil music and saying it's taking the youth away. And when he's talking about the youth, he's talking about the white youth. Mm. And so when I started digging, he preached a lot about against the Beatles and against 
Elvis Presley for bringing rock and roll to the youth. And I understand now that he was specifically talking about white America. Because he even but said where that did rock and roll his... even come from? It was not black from... people. Thank you. <laughs> That's why he was angry that Elvis was about was uh, was able to take black culture and shove it down the throat of Oof. white Americans, young white American youth. Let's say, and I will go even further to say the most fucked up thing, one of the most, because he said a lot of fucked up things, but one of the most overtly racist and fucked up thing this man said was that he could not speak against the KKK. What? <laughs> Let me give you context. He had, he tells the story in a message where he says, the, it's, I think the souls that are in hell. Anyways, he talks about how he had a vision and he went to hell and he saw hell and he saw everything that was happening. He was probably going through psychosis, to be honest, but he, it was supposed to be a vision. And that's when the, he had this vision when he was 14 and got shot in, or if I'm not mistaken, anyways, it's related to him having been shot in a, in an accident in a um, hunting accident when he was 14 and he had to go to the hospital and the KKK paid because he was like a poor white boy. So they paid for his medical bills. And so in that message where he's talking about his vision, where he went to hell, he says that, you know, uh, these people took care of him when he couldn't. So he's like, I can't say nothing. He says this word for word. I cannot say anything bad about them, no matter what they do. Wow. And what do they do? I could go on their website because the, this church has a website. And so they have all his sermons listed and they have all the, the how do you call it? The transcripts of his sermons listed. So you can wow. actually search through it like a database. Wow. And I could go on the database now and look up the sermon and read you word for word the quote where he says that he can't do or like he can't say nothing bad about the KKK no matter what they say and do because they paid for his medical bill medical when he was written and got shot in a hunting accident. So I'm like, it doesn't matter if they burn crosses, if they lynch people, if they preach hate, you can't say nothing bad about them. The KKK. But that's going totally against what scripture says at the end of the day, too. So then who? what are you choosing? Are you choosing God or are you choosing your people? You know, so I get it when you mean like, where, but, I, you know, but you know, the thing is white supremacy is found in basically almost every single experience that many of us are having, even until now. Right. And... Mm you know, talking about white supremacy and like capitalism and all of these things. One of the things that I'm realizing right now is that it seems like there is, not even seems, there is a form of like a revolution happening where many people are now turning around and realizing that one, religion, Christianity, you know, I could only talk about Christianity because that's what I've known. Um, mm. Maybe it's not really what, <laughs> it's it, it is you know and especially mm. for our culture um the african caribbean you know they say bipoc but yeah bipoc people mm. black indigenous, indigenous and people of color yeah i see a lot of us Sorry. turning back to our roots mm. a lot of us turning back to our indigenous practices you know and I just want to find out on your end, you take you took a moment mm -hmm. to leave this church. You realize that, oh my goodness, this religion or this cult is rooted in white supremacy, capitalism, and all of that stuff. Once you left there, definitely you will feel some type of void. What did you fill that void with at first? Or did you even feel a void? Because I know I did for a minute. It didn't last long, but I did feel a void from him. Um, actually, the first thing I felt when I left the church was anxiety. Everything was anxiety. And um, I have 
an obsessive nature by by birth. And so I obsessed over the fact that I was anxious and that was on my mind. And I think that's why it led me quickly down the road of this deep, deep, deep depression is that I was obsessing over the fact that I was not feeling well. And the reason why I was obsessing on it was because I had in my mind the, the idea that I was going to get punished for leaving the church. I was actually had this terrorist, like fine notion that I was going to die in a car accident. Wow. Constantly thinking that every time I took my car, I was going to crash my car and break my legs. Don't ask me why, but specifically, this is what I had in my head. Mm. And I like I was going to bust my kneecaps. And that, it obsessed me until I actually had a car accident, which totaled my car. And I came out caught free. And I was like, oh, okay, that's not how God's going to kill me. A lot of the time, the things that the energy that we operate in, the things that we keep telling ourselves, it actually manifests, especially if you attach feelings to it. There is a manifestation mm-hmm. of that that happens. <laughs> and sometimes we, we have the same, but mm-hmm. trust me. It will happen. Well, I spent the, all the time that I was in church prior to what I am doing now, I spent my time being afraid of being in the very same situation that I am here in now. I used to go in the prayer line and pre- ask them to pray for me because I felt really sad all the time and I didn't want to fall into depression. Because at that time, I was like, if I feel worse than this, I'm just not going to I'm just not going to survive. It's just going to be impossible. I'm going to stop working. And just, and that scared me so much that I obsessed over it. So that's what, that's what I filled my void with. Wow. And what it did is that I did like a session of university at the beginning of 2013. That was the last period of me going to church. And then after that, I just stayed home in bed the whole summer until I found the job that burned me out eventually. But um, during that time, I don't know if I said this in, in, in the last time, but I had two deacons that came over and sort of threatened me with being removed from under the blood yeah. if I didn't yeah, return to the church, which after we spoke about it, I mean, yeah, we spoke about it, but after we spoke about it, I thought about it and I was like, what was the, what was the reason? What was the reason? Because honestly, I just... Stop going to church. It's not like I was out there persecuting myself or like speaking against the pastor or doing anything. I was literally just staying home. Mm-hmm. So to me, I realized that it made me think hard about it. And I realized even like just after our last conversation that they were just trying to really force my hand back in the church because there's another preacher who saw me after a wedding and he like sort of cornered me outside and he just came up to me without even saying hi and he was like sister Sephora not you not you please the young people look up to you the young people love you not you and I realized it was more of being scared of what my leaving would do as an yeah. influence and what it would generate the rather than my actual soul and my actual presence. Because y'all never, he didn't never call me. He never came to see me. He never checked up on me. So it wasn't really about me leaving and like saving my soul. It was about how it would probably look. And I do have a friend who said that, she said that to me afterwards. She's like, you probably don't know it, but I did look up to you. I was like, but before I was so faithful, she's always in church. She's praying. She's dedicated. She's like, like, you look like you had like, like I look like a strong soldier. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Sister, every time I came to church on, on Sunday, I either dissociated at some point or I fell deep into this facade yes. of Christian football who's not yeah. gay, who doesn't yeah. like fill her home life with all the things that she can't yes. admit to herself when she's in church. Yes. You know? Yes. La fofo qui, que quand elle joue de Sims, all her Sims are gay, but all her books that she, she reads are gay characters. Mm-hmm. But when she gets to church, she's like, Gloire à Dieu, les gays vont en enfer, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was, the, the facade was cracking and cracking and cracking and cracking 
And I fill the soul with music. I feel that me, I'm a musical person. Like La musique, even before I really tried to delve into the church profoundly, I had my little teenage rebellious phase, you know, where I was doing my thing, listening to Bone Thugs and Harmony and stuff. And uh, I tossed all of that away to try to really focus Focus on the church. On the church, yeah. So we, oh, I threw away all my favorite CDs. J'avais un CD signé de Mousaïen, because I was a Mousaïen fan since, J'étais allée jusqu'au Salon Petit Jeunesse les voir and they signed my CD. And I don't have that CD anymore. Oh no. En tout cas, you know, the regrets that I have, my, my friend, just because, anyways, I, I try and then eventually I think I got obsessed with my job. I was constantly, I was on, in work, I was focusing, I was trying to prove myself. And all of these things played a part in seeing the role that the church played in my life, everything that happened with my job, because I realized that the way Christianity is built, and this is why I also bring in white supremacy and racism, is that it makes people compliant Mm. and passive. Very passive. And I, I watched a video the other day, and it's a lady that was like running in the woods, and she's just running, and these sheep saw her and just started running after her. And so she's doing her morning jogging, and she has like a hundred sheep just like going after her down the hill, up and down the hill. And she stopped and she's taking a picture. And she's like, why are she following me? And I remember a man who said that he cannot be a Christian because he's not stupid. Because the Bible likens Christians to like sheep and sheep are stupid animals. And that it just kind of like after seeing that video with that lady, mm-hmm. like I'm not trying to diss anyone, but it kind of like dawned on me how easy for real it is for she they just like turn around and start running after their, their their um their master their shepherd they follow without their shepherd, shepherd just following this random person and just going after her down the hill <laughs> and i was like yeah no i don't want to be a sheep i'd rather be a ghost because yeah <laughs> go fight back. And I'd rather be a goat. You cannot time a goat. You know, but th- that's the, the idea. Because even when I look at how it's detached in my own family, it detached people from responsibility. And that's an agent of white supremacy, to not care for your neighbors, to not care for your community, to give you the sense that you do. But the only people that you actually truly care for are your entourage. Yes. Uh, and even uh, not all. And I, because I know of people who do charity that call themselves Christian that just do charity. Mm-hmm. But I will say that at large, mm-hmm. when you have a group that does charity in the name of Christianity, mm-hmm. it comes at the price of receiving a track mm-hmm. or receiving a Bible in exchange mm-hmm. or having to hear about how Jesus loves you mm-hmm. and wants you to come to him. Because he gave his only son. There's always a currency somehow where your soul and your eternal destination is brought on the line to re- in order to receive help. You have to face a cross. You have to be told about God and his everlasting love. And so no one just does things. And I confronted somebody the other day about this. And I said, in my life growing up, I was not a witness of that unconditional love that is being preached. Exactly. I've never seen that unconditional love. I said, what is it that the church never, we had a hall that we used to rent to have like fellowship. I said, we live, the, the church was situated in a in a neighborhood, Oshlaga specifically, that has a lot of poverty, drug use, prostitution. Uh, I said, I remember sometimes, Coming after church, hearing a sermon about love and how God gave his own son and how we know we need to show perfect love and and reach this stature of a perfect man, which is another sermon that you preach, and then go outside and fellowship about the sermon and be happy. And then two, three people coming down the, the, the sidewalk, maybe a woman in a minister or somebody that looks like they're on drugs or prostitutes, and you can literally see them parting like the Red Sea. And just staring the person down. There are people who I've seen try to pass through the crowd of our church after church, feeling uncomfortable or just going around completely because there was no warmth. Even the look 
that they were being given to people were not of love or and so I was like, yeah, I never rented a hall to feed people, even in times of, you know, need. And I could go as far as saying we're talking about love outside of the church. Even the people in the church were not loved perfectly yeah. by the church. Yeah. So it's a bit of a stretch that they would extend that to people outside because they didn't master it to the people inside. And I think that that's also the same thing when I, because me, everything at this point in my life, I trace back to white supremacy because the land we live in is a land that was purchased with blood. Mm. It was, it was stolen. It was, it was mm. taken with mm-hmm. the death of mm-hmm. many, with mm-hmm. the enslavement of many. And, and today and, that we're recording. <laughs> en plus. <laughs> huh? So, yes. <laughs> yes. Like I have a friend that sent me um happy Thanksgiving and I'm like I don't participate in in this practice or celebration. this celebration you know and then it's like oh I was just telling my wife that I will tell you happy Thanksgiving and you'll tell me this and this and I'm like well at least you know right because to yes. me it's like I respect the people because I have somebody that tell me oh these, ta- these indigenous people they don't even like you black folks and all that stuff I'm like I don't care. I'm not asking anybody to like me, like, especially not people that I'm living on their land. Like, I'm on their land. But you know, this is exactly what you said, that your friend said that these people don't even like you. But doesn't the Bible even say that if you are only doing things for people, for your brothers, for the people that like you, you're like the Pharisees. The Pharisees. You're just like the devil. So then isn't that the very point of doing things even for the people that don't like you. That's right. And that's what, I, like, the person I was talking to about this extent of perfect love, but I just said the exact accuracy, like, I was just trying to explain. I didn't really expect to receive <laughs> an answer that was sent. But things, things, um, oh, as children of God, we have a sense to recognize each other. Uh, it's just, it was everything to dismiss the responsibility that we have as people. Because the church is just a building and an institution that decides you have to have a pastor, deacons, trustees, whatever, whatever. Thanks but the people that make that ensemble, the people that make that organism, who are they? And what kind of people are they? If you have a deacon who's supposed to keep the church in order, but in yeah. his home, he's beating his wife. In order? There will never be order. Yeah. Because there's no justice. There's no fairness. There's no love. And if there can't be accountability as well, then there's, there's one thing in the call. One thing that I see the link being made is whereas you see in society, people tell you, well, c'est comme ça que le système est, well, you know, there are people that are trying to do different things. There's a nice political party that you can vote for that will give you what you want. Well, not all politicians are, well, not all cops are like that. Well, not all. And that means that we never tackle the issue, the, the core issue that yeah. we're just giving excuse that there are people that are trying to do good. Yeah. And the reason I think that we have the society is because we have a society that was built on these Christian values, that, that was built on this knowledge of the Bible. Even when you think about the first types of social services that we had in Quebec, they were started by the church. And yeah. so while I was doing my when I was doing my um, uh, journey, journey throughout the system, a lot of the things that I was hearing coming from the, um, the, the, the how do you call these intervenants in English? Uh, intermediate? In, in, inter- <laughs> the intervenants? <laughs> intervenants, yeah. Yeah, all the intervenants in, <laughs> in the program that I was in, their speech was very fate-like. You know, mm. don't lose hope. Good things will happen. Mm. Like always projecting the sort of hope in the future that there will be a resolution mm. behind all my suffering, that there's a reason why I'm suffering like this to either bring me to something greater yes. or that, you know, there's a hope that I need to place in the future. Even in the moment where the idea of hoping is what hurts me. Mm. And so I understand I had to grasp in this instance that, you know, even in the mental health system, it's geared towards the same 
hopeful mindset and not actual action. Like, well, he doesn't think he fucked up. Like, how can we change the system? What credible action could I give you outside of telling you the hope that are going to fill the void that you have right now? And I know that an intervenance on the phone can't do it for me. Yeah. But if I had a, say, a real family that is somebody that can bring you food, that, and then when I left the church, I realized there are people that do this. Yeah. And it was a surprise for me that they don't need to wait until somebody's aunt died to go to their house with a casserole and be like, hey, I'm here for you. Yeah. They just call you and be like, oh, I have some extra food. I was going to come by. Yeah. And they show up. Yeah. You, when I was living in abject poverty to the point where I had no electricity, somebody that I met once or twice at an event, I made a post on, on, on Instagram at this point, I had no more shame that my situation was down the drain and I needed some help with some stuff. And this person went to the pharmacy mm-hmm. and bought like lip gloss and pads and soap and stuff and just came to my house mm-hmm. and sat and talked with me. Mm-hmm. Community, the village that we were talking about, right? The village. The vill- and I think this is from everything that you were saying um, this is one thing that, you know, the, the church tries to, and once again, I just want to say one thing that mm-hmm. I still do believe that there are some churches that are really there for, for the good. Like they're, they're really yes. doing what they can to do the good. Right. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the issue with that is that when doctrine and, um, ideologies and once again white supremacy <laughs> you know mm-hmm. like, because the, the, i think the thing with white supremacy it's very sneaky it's 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 very um subtle so sometimes we're there where especially like i'm, I'm even thinking of like just black churches um they're there and they're 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 preaching this word but they're not even realizing that the word that you are preaching is actually not is actually talking against you like <laughs> against your person, <laughs> like against voilà. your 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 cultural, your your natural way of being, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but all this to say that the church definitely tries to, you know, bring about this whole notion of community. But it, I read something about um, the the different type of narcissism or narcissistic people, and mm-hmm. one of the 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 types I don't remember what they call them. But they're the types that are the ones that go out and do do the good. You know, they do mm. the good and they 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 give and like people see them. They're like, oh my god, thank you so much. And like they're, they're the givers. They are the givers. Yeah. They are the charity. Like they will give you until yeah. okay. Yeah. But then when you go within in their house in their homes, you realize that they're not even nice to the people that are in their house. And that all of this giving mm. is actually to feed their ego, to feed themselves, to make them feel like, yes, it's me. Look at me. And I feel like I've seen mm. some churches that has that narcissism. Hey, y'all. So here's the thing. As you might know, one of the major things that um, we take seriously or I take seriously is this healing journey that a lot of us are on. And you might have heard also most of our guests talk about their experience with therapy and how it has played a major part in this healing journey. I'm just wondering, how about you? Have you been thinking about therapy, but you're just not sure finding the right fit? Well, guess what? You need to not think anymore. Our sponsors, BetterHelp, is here to help you. You get the chance to fill in a short survey and be matched with a licensed therapist who's trained to listen and to help you in as little as 48 hours. And if after the first few meetups, you still don't feel aligned, you don't need to worry. You can just go ahead and choose another. Get a 10% discount off your first month at betterhelp.com com slash umami that's betterhelp.com slash umami click the link in the show notes below and join the three million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health when experience better help therapist blessing where they go out show the world this is what we are doing look at us 
But then when you go within, behind closed doors, it's a totally different story. Mm. And Mm. many people see, like people see these things, but nobody's really talking. No one is saying anything because we feel like if we do say something, we are saying something against God. Like, no, you're Mm. not. This is is not what the creator didn't create us to become this, I don't know, like, just this, this, like what we were talking about, this fake society. And mm-hmm. we've come, like, we've all have these, um, uh, these masks on our face. Mm, absolutely. And we all see each other with these fake masks and we see each other and we're smiling and we're doing all of these things. But then when we go back inside of our house, we take off the mask and then we're like, we are so mean. Mm. I had an experience at one of the mm. churches that I went to. And I knew this person, like, I, I just felt like this person's energy was just off. Like, her energy, her spirit, like, that person was, like, a big, like, she was a big deal in the church. And we were supposed to do some work together. And for some reason, it just never happened. Like, it didn't happen. I'm not going to go into the details. I'm not trying to, like, bait anybody out or anything. So we had an event. And I went to her and I was like, oh, man, it's really unfortunate that we didn't get the chance to do this thing. Say for the look, and you know me, the thing with me is like, I have this thing where I could, I, I feel like I, I, I could feel, I could see, like, sometimes I'm not supposed to see something and I'm going to see it. Yeah. The look this lady gave me, just by the corner of my eye, if looks could kill, Ooh. I would have literally dropped dead on that day, like in that church. Ooh. I'm thinking this person Ooh. has my back. I'm thinking this person actually values the work that I'm doing. But on mm-hmm. the real, no, because they believe <laughs> that I'm trying to take away their shine. I'm trying to take away their position or the work that they, they built or the image that they put, you know, that mm-hmm. they called everybody in the church to see. I'm mm-hmm. who am I? You know, who's this girl, this African girl? Who, like, you know, like, you know, if you want to take over, I'm this girl, like, who are we? Like, what are you doing? Like, what are you trying? You know, and I remember the day that I left that church. I I left and I sent her a message a few weeks later. And she was like, oh, okay, I understand. And this is somebody that when I was in her her fellowship, she literally, when I wanted to leave the fellowship and do something else, she literally begged me. Begged me. She's like, no, girl, you need to stay in this place. Like, do you get it? So, Sishan, we're living in this society where even within our community that is our church community we're firing one another secretly and you expect people to stay <laughs> you expect people mm-hmm. to stay under the, the the so-called covering or the so-called blood or or whatever that it is called the time the time came 2020 i swear and i and i, and I feel like for me this whole thing, it's been there always, but in 2018 is where it really started to like eat me up. Yeah. Like this, this thing with the church gradually started to eat me up even more. And then when the pandemic hit, and I was going to a church that was okay. When the pandemic hit, I was just like, you know what? Let me step away. Let me step away. We talked about it then yeah. a little. I remember like in 2019. Yeah. Like I had to yeah. take a step be- away because... There was just, it, it, you know, it's like you, for me, like, you know, I'm asking you, what did you fill your void with me? It was like the void, I, I feel the void that I had was a bit like yours feeling like, oh, I did something wrong, but it was very uh-huh. brief, you know, uh-huh. my, my void was very brief simply because the spirit within me that told me to take a step away was the same spirit that led me to go to church. Mm. So if that spirit is telling me to go, I mm. left. I, I I was just like, thank you, but no thank you. Mm. I honestly don't know where I was going, what I was saying, because <laughs> I was just caught up. But all I want to say is that churches, no matter how much, especially Christian churches, like I used to go to the church, this church that said, oh, Christianity is not about religion. It's about relationship. So if Christianity is not about religion, it's about relationship, then why are we there condemning other people's relationship with God? Because our relationship with God doesn't look the same. This is actually like um, an episode. One of the girls, she shares about that. She's like, 
Because mm. my relationship with God has absolutely nothing to do with you. So if if this if us as Christians are really if if it's if it's not if I'm not committing murder, <laughs> you know what I mean? If I'm not going, even if I'm committing, well, God forbid, I ain't no murder happening anywhere. But if I'm mm-hmm. not sinning in quotes, like I'm yeah. in quote, and you're killing people's stuff and beating old ladies. Literally, no. and I've decided to take some sage and sage my house instead of using olive oil and sprinkle it on my walls or use water and sprinkle it and I decide to use sage, then what is your problem? Isn't it all spirituality though? Because who said water over sage or oil over they, water or like cause I used to think like people saging was like devil devil stuff. Like you you devilish, you know. Until the day I, you know, my, my eyes was a bit more open. Spirit was, was, was more there. Like I, I, I was connected. And then in my mind, like spirit brought my mind back to my mother. How when we moved, when I first moved out, like when my, my husband and I moved into our new place, she came with a bottle of olive oil. And she was like bleeding the blood in our new house. <laughs> and you know, having the olive oil and touching the walls and pleading the blood. Like we had like olive oil stains all over the walls. <laughs> but my mind brought me back to that and made me think about so what if I just take this um herb and mm. bless it mm. and say the same prayer that was said and use fire. Voila. What's the difference? But this, let me tell you this though. Because me, this is one thing I would say. And I said this to my mom. I said, I asked her once, I said, where was the Bible written? I'm like, but okay, where did it originate from? Because the people who wrote it had a culture. That's right. And that culture was specific to their area and what they had available to them. That's right. So, or they had the thing, they said, we use this. What if you were in Africa, somewhere else, using for the same reason, another thing? Why would you forsake what you have for somebody else's culture? Yes. Why is it that what you possess, yes. that God, because you say God made you perfect. Yes. God showed you to be a Haitian woman yes. or the, of African descent that was born this, that has this, this, this available to them. Yes. Now somebody comes with a book and tells you your culture is the devil. You yes. can't use this. You can't use this. You have to use this. Yes. Where this book the origin of this culture, where? Yeah, so yeah. you're trying to tell me that one culture is holy, that's while right. the all the all other ones are Yeah, of course, of course, of course. The, to me, and I remember even as a kid, Agnes, this used to be a question that I asked my mom. Because the thing is, in this message, they say that you know all his recordings, the prophet, all his, his sermons are recorded, mm-hmm. and so they said, listen to the voice. This is the age of listening to the voice. So playing his tapes nonstop was something that I had to go <laughs> and that I yeah, put that's myself reprogramming in your mind. Reprogramming. It is reprogramming your mind. And that's why there was a point where every time I had a peak of anxiety, I would put on one of his tapes because it would automatically give my brain the signal that you're in the same zone, calm down, which I didn't understand then. But um, I forgot what I was saying. This happens to me all the time. <laughs> It happens to all of us, trust me. Literally, I asked, but where is that going to? Because ah. you were talking about your mother. You mentioned that um, you're asking your mom about why is it that. Yes, thank you. Culture. Thank you. You brought me back. Because even when I was little, I would ask my mom, but how will, let's say, people who live in the Amazon forest who don't have electricity hear uh, the the message and she said God would make a way he'll send missionaries and I'm and in my head right away I'm like but that sounds like Christopher Columbus wow. and th- th- I had so many questions as I was going up that I was like but what about people who are dying now who didn't get a chance to hear him because you say that you have to believe in him in God's prophet of the end time so I'm like but what about the children it's like well children are going to paradise I'm like but what if they're like older than seven eight and stuff and they die in a war. And then she'd be like, I don't know, Sephora. I don't know. <laughs> God. And to me, it just felt the reason that why it was so problematic to me is because the unfairness of it all. Yeah. And I was like, how can you tell me that you have a fair God 
who decides that one man who was born in the U.S. Yeah. and has to actually record his voice is the voice that everybody in the world has to hear all over every continent in order to make it to heaven? Yeah. I was like, that's impossible. That's there are people dying right now who will never hear of him. Yeah. And I was like, these people will go to hell just for that? And then my mom was like, oh, well, these people are not called to, to be children of God. And oh, they wow. Like, they, yes. This man actually talks about how a lot of people that are on earth are just canon father. He actually calls them canon father. And he says they're just the result of procreation and sin. Wow. And they will just die at the end of the world because they, they weren't meant to be called to be anything. Yes. Okay. Say so this That's, vision is a cult. It's not just church. It's, it's a cult. The fact that you had to listen to him repeatedly. Like I'm, I'm doing a, a coaching program right now. And that's what we actually have to do. We have to listen to the messages repeatedly. But that message that I'm listening to is reprogramming my mind and my paradigms to my higher self, to my better self, right? So imagine as a child listening to this like your whole life. Very detrimental. And my mom, what she used to do, there were times where we were like rowdy and to punish us, she would sit us down and put a tape. And Fisker, he's a man who was born in the U.S. So he preaches in English with a Southern accent. They translate his messages in like every language. every language. And so we had the French translation. So we would listen. So sometimes the one tape of him, one sermon would be like four hours because yeah. of the translation. And literally, this is how I learned to dissociate. And I really recently learned how dissociating actually damages your brain. brain. So a lot of times... I have now to work the opposite to learn to stay in my body because I spent so much of my life Absolutely. voluntarily dissociating to not have to deal with. Because yeah. this man yeah. would say some violent stuff, yeah. really violent stuff when you think about it, about women. Uh, he has a sermon when he talks about women. I think it's called Marriage and Divorce. And he says that a woman who doesn't respect herself, quote unquote, is worse than a bitch basically like a female dog he's like because a female dog has a season when she's in heat and then she has a baby and she's like but a woman can just like continue and continue and continue and i remember when i was little it used to hit me and my mom was like Ha-ha-ha, right? and i was like yeah i'm like well and she he was like he would say in his sermons that a lot of people call him a misogynist but he's not a misogynist it's just that it's horrific it's an abomination to the eyes of God, to see a woman in pants and with makeup and things. And he would go on and on and on and on and on and on and on about how women need to dress and how... And yes, and yes, he had a fascination with Marilyn Monroe. Okay. So much that he said, so much that he said that Eve, that looked like Marilyn Monroe, because Marilyn Monroe was the most beautiful woman in the world. Okay, prophet. Thank you. We appreciate you. Understand, do you understand as a person with critical thinking yeah. growing up yeah. and having to hear all these things yeah. that don't align with any of my experiences as no, a no, black fan no. person in Canada? Yeah. Where you're trying to elevate a statue. And then he said that he had a vision of the bride where she came from every nation and every part of the world. And she had long hair. Long every hair. woman had yeah, long hair down to their knees. Mm-hmm. what happens what happens then i was not in the vision and i used to so, think that so tell me right now you've gone through mm-hmm. all of this um share a little bit on where you are right now where you where are in terms of your spirituality where you are in terms of just like yeah that's the fun part actually <laughs> um like i told you i picked up gardening uh as a refuge and as I started delving into like plants and stuff and like really literally feeling a shift in energy in there in that place what really brought me to where I am today uh I first started looking into Haitian spirituality after after a while out of the church and realizing that the man that I thought was a prophet wasn't a prophet because I actually listened to podcasts of people who dismantle all the lies and in a like in, there are people who are actually doing this work out there mm-hmm. um and uh like finding out a lot of things it removed all the fear mm. that i used to hold about whether 
in some way, he could still have been right. Because mm-hmm. even till 2018, 19, there was still a little part of me that was that, especially since I was in the depth of depression. Yes. I was like, what if it's because I really messed up yeah. and I should go back? But then the same way you say you had this voice that was leading you to, then mm-hmm. every time I would feel like my brain would tell me maybe you did wrong, mm-hmm. my whole body mm-hmm. would seize and I would, at the, at the thought of being back under there. And mm-hmm. I was like, no. I didn't mess up. And so I started to delve into patient spirituality mm-hmm. and reading about this dismantling the lies that I was told about how my culture is from the devil, my the music of my culture, uh Rara is from the devil, everything is from the devil, just because it has different appellations for its faith. But in the Bible, literally you have an angel with ten thousand wings and ten thousand eyes and ten thousand limbs. Do you know how horrific that is? Mm-hmm. That's ugly if you mm-hmm. think about it. But you want to tell me my little loi is is from the devil, anyway. And so I started like gaining more knowledge about my history as a Haitian, specifically. Um, started reading books like this book called Plantation Church, that is a very heavy read, but a must. Um, just a few first pages that I read were amazing in helping me. Uh, also reembrace aspects of Christianity without the fear of emotional and spiritual manipulation. So I've like gone comfortable again with listening like to, especially in gospel, Haitian gospel songs and honoring the faith and the courage that my ancestors found in this. And what bridged that gap for me was when my grandmother passed. Mm-hmm. And I had an experience. Now, those who want to believe me can believe me. Those who don't, I really don't care. But I had a vision of my grandmother after she passed. And that was, to me, the shift mm-hmm. to sort of be regain comfortability with like the Bible and regain comfortability with a lot of aspects. And even now delving into what Christianity should have been mm-hmm. for me as an experience, mm-hmm. because I follow this young man who even says that, you know, in, well, he maybe quoted somebody, but I would have to check back. I'm not sure how Christianity was a tool of revolution for many. Mm-hmm. When you think about African-Americans and even in that book, the church was a place for community. Mm-hmm. The African church was a place for community. Mm-hmm. The African-American church was an, was a lot influenced by the way the church was made, was done in the Caribbean. And it was a place where the concept of getting the Holy Ghost and dancing mm-hmm. in circles. And this thing made its way to the Pentecost for white church from black people. That's right. And this was in black people from Africa. That's right. It's not white people who gave it to them. That's right. And so to be able to reconnect with spirit possession, spirit, uh, feeling spirits around you and being not fearing, not afraid. The idea that, you know, you have to be afraid and God is this mighty being that if you see him, your eyes are going to turn to goo and, yeah. Like to just be comfortable and to where I'm at now in my spirituality is that I have come to the very thing that the message was telling me I am, but without giving me the pathway yeah. so that I could be addicted to the church. Yeah. Is that I am a God. Yes. Straight up. And they tell you this, you know, you're a little God. But they don't emphasize it. They don't feed they don't feed it. No, because they don't give you the pathway to it. Because if they give you the true pathway to that realization, you're not needing to come come there every Sunday and give tithes and give offerings and pay the pastor's bills and pay the church's bills. You don't have to do that because you found your own connection to God directly. That's right. And and that's why they also don't give people the tools to heal. Yes. And I was able to get to my true self and to my God-like mindset because I started my healing, literally. Yes. And I told this to my mom, and she agreed with me. I said, you cannot have faith and be not even spiritually, emotionally sick. Yeah. I'm like, if you live in anxiety, your anxiety will not allow you to aspire to the rapture for the right reasons. Mm. 
because you're living in, in pain and in sorrow. So all you're aspiring to is relief. Wow. You're aspiring to be set free wow. because they're telling you that all you have to do is soil and go through trials and tribulations in order to be proven worthy. And that also didn't click with me because God is all powerful. Like he knows my end and my out, like what prove what he already knows the beginning and the end. He knows if I will fail or succeed. So I'm just trialing for him to be like, hey, yo, I'm God, but I was right. Mm. That's that's psychopathic behavior. It's there's nothing loving. C'est pour ça que moi quand les gens me parlent, me présentent, they present to me this version of God. I'm like, is God, is God the guy from the movie Saw? Because to me, that sounds like some yeah. psychopathic mm. shit. Like you yeah. just want to see people suffer yeah. for no reason. Yeah. And so I told my mom, I was like, can you imagine if you have somebody, for instance, who was born, I'll give an example of a child that grows up in a family and was abused mentally, physically, any type of way that you want. Okay. And then this person finds a church that gives them the notion that, hey, look, in this family, it's all love unconditional love we don't judge you from your past mm-hmm. and you carry that guilt from that abuse because especially if you come from communities like ours where there's no talk of mental health they don't know child development and things and how certain things will impact your brain mm-hmm. and how children carry guilt mm-hmm. for especially mm-hmm. if you're being told you're so bad you're so annoying your parents hang you upside down and beat you you you're bad I, I didn't get all of that and I still thought I was like damn I must be like dope because my mom just can't stand me I must really be annoying because that's what children tend to do they blame themselves yeah. and so you, you find a spot where they tell you that all of this has been put under the blood you welcome with open arms yes. in perfect love all you have to say is I do yeah. you will delve exactly. into this community and the reason why when you talked about narcissism I started realizing that even the construct of how, how church welcomes people is narcissistic because they will bum love you. Mm. There's somebody who's going to call you, they mm. see you after church, they shake your hand, mm. they'll invite you to every fellowship, they're willing to pray for you. Even if you have bills that are unpaid, at this point, they'll be willing to pay your bills. Mm. Just so you don't have to go to work, you can come to church. They mm. will do everything to embrace you. They will be the kindest people to you. And then after a while, you have to start fitting in their demands. While you start being a member, well, certain church have member fees. How come you haven't paid your member fees? We didn't have that. But sister, how come you're still wearing earrings? It's been six months. You've been in a message. You know what the prophet said. Mm-hmm. And you're still wearing earrings and makeup. Uh, sister, you know, you're coming to church. Your, shirt, your, your skirt is a little short. Uh, it's been three months. You've been baptized. Uh, you know what the prophet said about mini skirts? You've heard the message. How come? You know, us, it was more like this. After a while, it starts questioning why you're not exacting, beca- becoming a, a replica yeah. already. Yeah. Why are you not a replica well, no. already? Mm-hmm. And so you have this sort of bubble that now just sucks you in. Yeah. And if you have nothing else to live for, if you're wounded, if all you seek for is love. And every Sunday you get to come to a place where somebody cries from the pulpit until tears run down your face and awaken some sort of emotion in you to remind you that you're alive and somebody cares for you. Hallelujah. And it's Jesus. It makes you feel worthwhile. It gives yes. you energy to keep yes. going, yes. to tell you, well, you know what? At least at the at end, least. I will I have my reward. Uh, for God's sake. And you can go on like this for years because the real truth is you are hurting. You're wounded. There's a child inside of you that is crying to be received and embraced and forgiven. You're desiring that unconditional love with every fiber of your soul. And you still haven't received it because you're, you're living in an imaginary forgiveness. But you know what? This is a thought that came to mind a few days ago. Mm. All of this, you know, what you're saying. Like, I'm sharing actually a story on my mental health mm. um, in connection to my faith and everything. And it dawned on me that the church was like a painkiller. Yeah. Voila. Because voilà. I was actually, I was in pain. And, and that's how it hit me. Like, I was actually in pain. <laughs> so I went mm. to take my mm. telephone. 
And then when I took the Tylenol, the next day the pain came back and then hit me. And I was like, that's what it was doing. The whole time that we're going and we're crying and we're releasing and we're doing all of these things, Mm -hmm. we're taking our painkiller. But you know the way that the body works when you take too much of the same painkillers after a while? The body no longer, exactly. The body like shuts down and it's like, I'm sorry, this one doesn't work. We got to find something else. Let's go. And then when you stop altogether to take them, the thing that comes down upon you, my friend, your body literally shuts the F down. You said it. Yes. And it shuts down. And it, because you're saying this, I'm like, this is just this. This last few days, these mm. were the thoughts that I was thinking about. This whole time, mm. what kept me going? What kept me going was my pain killer. Because mm. at that time, too, there's personally for me at least, I didn't see no other option than no. that. Exactly. I didn't know about no psychologists, especially in the church that I was. They got behind the pulpit and made fun of mental health care. So it was like, you know. The psychologists and psychiatrists, they're full of the devil themselves. Yeah. That was a big uh, a big realization for me, you know, and when you talk about you going into your, you know, your Haitian, Haitian practices and, you know, now being able to go into scripture without feeling the guilt and, 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 and the fear and all of that. It's funny because I'm, I'm actually in the same, in that same boat right now where, I could actually read scriptures and I'm no longer seeing it as punishment or I'm not, I'm no longer seeing it with those religious lenses, you know? Mm. So it's Mm. this journey. (laughs) It's amazing. This journey, it's been, honestly, if, if I am to say, it's been one of the most toughest, but so rewarding. One of the most rewarding yeah. rewarding journey I've ever been on. There was a moment where I was like angry at the church too. Like mm-hmm. I was annoyed with the church. I was, mm-hmm. the church. I was like, burn all of y'all. Y'all are the ones that are going to burn. <laughs> Don't come burn get me. Like, you know, I burn mm-hmm. you. I was, I was there. I've been playing, I've been playing gospel music recently, like last month or so. I had all of these gospel songs like coming up. Yeah. Just like, yeah. Okay. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to dive into it because I, at the end of the day, we still grew up in this <laughs> in this faith. We mm. still grew up in it. And I don't know for you, Sephora, but I feel like, you know, initially I felt like, oh, I needed to totally detach myself from Christianity in order yes. to, to like just learn about African spirituality and be that, you know, be that. And mm. but then after... <laughs> Like the 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 more I learn about African spirituality, I kind of I'm just like, um, well, a lot of the things that we're doing right now sounds like stuff that they used to do at my older other church. So I was just like, hmm. Hmm. So <laughs> and this was like a Pentecostal Ghanaian mm. church, you know? The only the only thing with that church for me was that I love it. Like that's like my that's where I got to really know God in in that space, mm-hmm. you know. But it it messed me up because they would talk about a lot of witches and stuff, and um, I, it created so much anxiety in me till like this day. Mm-hmm. Till this day, I always have to go through like a whole process. The more I, I dive into African spirituality, I'm just like, okay, it's similar to what I've learned here, and then I'm just like, but then. Why do I have to choose either? Mm, mm, Why do voila. I have to be just there? Because folks mm. in African spirituality or those that are practicing other form of spirituality might be like, or like might be like, oh, I'm a, you're worshiping or you're 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 believing in your um your colonizer's religion, it being Christian. Mm. And then you got them Christians that are just like, oh. You're you're doing practicing voodoo or what? You're doing magic, black magic, black magic. You know, but they're like, whose business is it? What I'm practicing or what I'm doing? Every single day that I rise, my intention is to ensure that when I do something, it is done out of love. Because I've come to a place where where I've, I've connected that there is no other power 
There was no other, mm. there was nothing mm. greater than that force of love, of unconditional love. And until the day that we really understand or humanity gets to really understand what love really means, all of this religion, mm. even like spirituality, all of these things will no longer matter. And I feel mm. like we're also in a society where we there's so many tags, like they've given us so many words, like you're this, you're that, you're this, you're mm. that, you're this, you're that. To create the vision between us. But mm. at the end of the day, we're from that same friggin' root. That mm. same seed that was planted and germinated and, and grew and became. Mm. We're from that same place. So why cannot not see another person and just be like, yeah, that's my brother. That's my sister. But the, 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 anyway, this whole black white thing that, of creating races, we know why we have this. Uh, they used to call Indian reds and the Asians yellow and this and that. And we know where that came from because when every nation was in their homeland, they called themselves by their tribe or their whatever they were from or their opposite land or from the northwest or south. It wasn't about the, whether, you know, they weren't fighting for an identity that was tied exactly. to a continent or that was tied to uh, like this specific country. Exactly. It was more tied to our roots, to our, exactly. um, and I mean, the world has never been perfect in any, any part of the world. But I realize now we had advanced like uh, globalization and things that have brought certain things that make it that a lot of the world share a lot of the same values when it comes to economy and blah, blah, blah. And everybody's trying to reach. And that influenced the way we treat each other all the way down. And me, I, this is what I said in my, the conclusion that I have come to in this whole journey that I have. Because in the end, I found myself, but I realized in finding myself that I also found like broken ties. And it's like I'm supposed to be anchored to a thing where oh, this is non-existence. Oh, this is non-existence. And this has been generational work of breaking these sides from the people that were before me. When I think about it in terms of community and in terms of, of help and in terms of mental health, our parents left us nothing. Yeah. Our parents left us no, absolutely. I was saying this to a friend. I was like, look at this. I grew up in a building where it was a co-op and there were a bunch of black boys and black girls and black children growing up in the same place together with a bunch of adults with different types of skills. I was, you know, coming to the conclusion basically too that in the end, what the church has done is detach us from the, or the, the true thing that it should have done and lead us to our healing. Yeah. Me in this whole journey, that I realized that we need community healing and that through spiritual abuse, emotional abuse and condemnation, we'll never get there because we're too busy resetting ourselves constantly in front of God to care for other people, to ensure on our own salvation. So, mm. oh, there's so much I want to say, my God. Maybe we could just meet up face to face as friends and talk <laughs> without the recording. I think that would be good. Swear. I think that's what we need to do. Like we just yeah, like we just said, just triggered enough thought, especially about salvation and this whole like um this whole notion of being the savior, you know, this whole Christ savior complex thing. And thank you so much for sharing. Um, so one thing that I do do with my guests is I have mm -hmm. a list of seven questions that I ask them at the end. So from number one to seven, what will be your question? They're kind of just fun questions. Mm, I'll pick seven. Muhammad Ali said he is the greatest. Who is the greatest to you? Mm, that is a good question. Wow. I am. <laughs> to be honest, I was trying to not be... <laughs> I was trying to find someone else. I'm like, you know what? I am. I just you are. Yeah. I am. Awesome. I'm the greatest. You are the greatest <laughs> indeed. You are. Ooh, c'est faux, c'est faux, c'est faux. This was a very intense conversation. 
It was. And I really do hope that people understand that our goal is really to bring, to shed light and to bring healing, you know, and talk mm-hmm. about things that are not being taught. I don't think, I one one of the things I always try to make people understand that this, these conversations I'm having is never to condemn the church or never to condemn people going to church is not about that. It's just mm-hmm. about the fact that there are things happening. People are having experiences in these spaces and nobody's saying anything about it. So many other people are suffering. So I'm so glad that you were able to open up and share your experience. And hopefully somebody will hear it and know that they are not alone. And know that well. it's kind of also giving hope to folks. <laughs> you know, it, 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 in, 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 in a way, this is giving hope that there is hope, <laughs> there is light, there, there is a light, there is a light. And I am, final words for me is, I am so proud of you. Um, You could have taken this. Thank you. You could have taken this and been like. <laughs> you know, you could have literally stayed in depression. Mm. You could have. Well, I'm still there, but yeah, but you know what I mean, like. Well, me, I think, yeah, but meaning yeah. you could have just been like, no, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to go through the process of healing because healing it's mm. the work of healing is not uh, it's not that easy. Like we, it's something else. It's something else. Huh. The digging and the and, and the searching and the seeking of the grieving and mm. all that stuff. It's a lot. A lot of grieving. A lot of grieving. Oh, it's a lot of grieving. Nonstop. Yeah. You 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 went through it, and you're going through, mm. it, and we're going through it. And we're going through. Our message is going to come across because um, mm. there's a shift. There's a shift happening. We're gonna win this battle. We are. I want to thank you for my friends. I think, like I said uh, before, I don't know if we had pressed record, but I sometimes do want somebody. I was like, there has to be somebody out there who's having certain mm-hmm. conversations that I aspire to have is outside of watching people on TikTok talk about the things that I, that constantly like, yes, yes. And uh, so I thank you for allowing me on your platform to share my experience. And to trust me with my words uh, about what I'll say and, you know, and, to, and also creating that atmosphere. You're my friend for a long time, but still mm-hmm. creating that atmosphere that made me very comfortable to open up. So thank you. And I think that work that you're doing is because I've, I've been listening. So and I'm learning a lot, even by listening to other people's stories. Even if it's outside of my realm of experience completely, uh, but it's it's always enlightening to me. I'm a very curious person, so thank you again. And uh, we tried really hard today. <laughs> we tried hard. It's yo. If you guys only know, anyways, we're just grateful we're here. We've mm-hmm. done it. Yeah. And um, yes. until the next time we meet again. Yes, miigwech. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in today. We do hope that you learn a thing or two out of this episode. Kindly follow us on all of our social media platforms. And yo, something great is happening. Look out for our website coming out fall 2022. Take care. See you next Thursday.